welcome to Everything's Interesting. My name's Justin Blizzard, and I'm here with Keith Krepko. Keith, how has your day been? <laughs> uh, it's been it's been good. Um, it's been all right. I did have a story for you, okay. if I could. So, this didn't happen today, mm-hmm. but it happened a few days ago. So, a, a while ago, uh, a few months maybe, <clears throat> I went to Taste Unlimited. And you've right. been there, right? Uh-huh. And so it's like a high-end sandwich shop. Right. And they have a little, like, shopping area. Like, I love how they make you go to one place to order your food. You can't pay. They make you walk, like, through their store and go pick up your sandwich on the other side. I guess in hopes that you're going to pick up all their olive oil and yeah. sausage and... Specialty cheeses. Specialty cheeses and jams. Yeah, it's very, it is a very convoluted setup. It is. Yeah. And every single time I see somebody walking through the other end and wait through the, a line of people paying to then be told, go to the other side. Right. Um, which I, I, I watched like a car crash. Like I can't <laughs> look away. Yeah. I just watch them the whole time as they're coming up. And I could go help them, I guess. But I don't. I just stand by. Yeah. And watch. And watch. Yeah. Um, so they have an oil dispensary set up where like for your sandwiches no they they have so as you're waiting there's like a huge tin uh silo Mm -hmm. full of olive oil and it has a spout and underneath the spout they have a little glass bowl and around the glass bowl they have bread okay okay so i see this I'm there at this time with my workmate. This is the months ago trip. And I'm like, I love oil. I love bread. Mm-hmm. Walk over, dip it in the glass bowl of oil, eat it. It's delicious. Right. It's great. Um, and I'm like, oh, I kind of want another piece, you know? Mm-hmm. And right when I'm thinking, I'm going to go back and get another piece. I see a lady walk up. She goes to the tin drum of... Mm-hmm oil and she holds her bread under the spout right (laughs) and then she spouts oil onto the bread and it runs through her fingers and off into the bowl (laughs) into the runoff bowl Uh and she kind of like dabs the bread over the bowl and then eats the bread and i am horrified right i have just now dipped my bread in everybody's (laughs) run over right who knows? There's sloppy seconds. There's sloppy seconds. People yeah. probably licked their fingers, went right. back for more, yeah. g- dropped it in there, you know? Mm-hmm. People, who knows how many people have coughed over it, sneezed mm-hmm. over it, just sat there. Mm-hmm. It's been out in the open air for who knows how long. Why did I ever think that is what I was supposed to do, you know? I think that is more of a natural thought than to think, like, I'm just going to hold this piece of food underneath the spout and let this oil go everywhere just so I can get a little bit on my piece of food. So I went back again after Uh that. Right. I used the spout like a human and eat my bread. And I'm, I feel like I've redeemed myself. Right. So a few days ago I go back again and I'm, I'm alone and I am standing by the tin drum of oil again. Uh That's where I stand when I wait for my sandwich and I decide I'm going to get some more. So I go over, I grab a piece of bread, and I turn the spout, and no oil comes out. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So I'm like, oh, it's, I guess it's 
dry. There's the glass bowl full of oil. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not dipping it in there. And I already touched a piece of bread. So I end up eating. I have to eat it. Right. I end up eating just a plain piece of bread. Mm-hmm. And I guess acting for only myself to be like, pretend like it did have oil on it. So uh-huh. if anybody's watching me, my right. butt is covered. I'm like, mm, oh yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so I'm waiting there. And then this guy comes by, grabs a piece of bread, straight into the, the thing, straight into the bowl. Right. Eats it. Yeah. He works at Taste Unlimited. Oh. It's an interesting twist. Exactly. That's what I was saying. Okay. I, I feel like it's more animalistic to just hold your piece of bread underneath the spout and pour oil all over it. Like, I mean, you also think about, like, like you said, it's getting all over your fingers. Like, that yeah. can't be the right way to do it. But you need opposable thumbs to operate the spigot, mm-hmm. and therefore it makes it uniquely non-animal because they don't have opposable <laughs> thumbs. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No pig could do that. Yeah. A pig could wallow in the glass bowl of oil. That's true. That's true. I imagine my dog would jump up on the counter and just start eating out of that he bowl. He would lap like, out of the bowl. Ruthlessly. Exactly. Yeah, he would love it. So so that that's my basic question is, you know, did he just know that the tin drum was empty and he wanted oil and he was like, I'm going for the overflow bowl or... Is that the correct way of doing it? I think it's, I think you're presented with two unhygienic options. <laughs> Both options are equally disgusting, maybe st- too strong of a word, but it's like you're either you're either dipping it in the runoff bowl, right, or you're getting olive oil all over your hands, and. which that's that, you know that doesn't need to be downplayed like that. When you get oil on your hands, it spreads like crazy. Well, well, I have to, I have to, uh, another addendum, and I didn't think about it until just now, but um, there was another time that a guy was there. He did the spigot thing when I still thought that was the way they're supposed to be done. Uh And he was talking to a guy next to him. He ate the piece of bread and then he proceeded to lick his fingers for like 30 (laughs) seconds, like in the conversation. And I kept in there like businessmen. I kept thinking like, does this other guy know this guy? Like, is this deal now off? Because I would not buy a house from a guy right. who like licked right. his finger. Like he was yeah. licking. Yeah. You're right. It gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. And Which, even after 30 seconds of licking, there's no way all that oil that gone. Film. There's no way. It's yeah. that film. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, like uh, that, that, that clearly though shows that there's runoff. Like yeah. his runoff got in that bowl. I ate that man's runoff. I'd rather do the unhygienic of getting oil on my fingers. And when I used the spigot, I like, I did like a drop. Like I didn't, I tried not to have much runoff. Like some people, like I think he just went for it, you know? So anyway, that was, that's my conundrum, you know, which, which way to eat that bread right now at this point in my life, I've decided to stay away from it altogether. Yeah. I don't look at it anymore. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just not going to eat it. That's not a bad option, but I, I will say. I'm not I, I I'm not a big germ guy. Like I don't care about germs. Yeah. That stuff doesn't bother me. So that runoff bowl would bother you. No, it wouldn't. I'm, t- I'm telling you, what, unless you, <laughs> you look, haven't seen unless it. I'm that's no, and that's what I'm gonna say. Unless you look in it and you can see like there's particles, bread particles because I'm eating bread. No, that's exactly it. What are they? Hmm. There are particles though. It's it is a dirty bowl, and, and oil shows it. Like 
It's not cloudy. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty clear. But then I'll also there. say this. Did you get sick after doing it the first time? I'm no, constantly sick. No harm, no foul, right? I'm constantly sick. I wouldn't have any issues with it. I mean, I, I may potentially just do the spigot thing, but I do not I don't think I would hesitate just dipping it into the runoff bowl. That's also like isn't that like a feature of like some grills? Like use our think runoff about how bowls? much flavor's been cooked into this grill or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's all how you look at it. Well, I think I see uh, everything's interesting field trip <laughs> to the runoff bowl of oil. Yeah. Maybe we should just like run some, just that they, I'm sure somebody's run some tests on that, right? Like they test doorknobs for fecal matter. <laughs> we need to alert channel 10 news to go do Maybe, a, yeah. Hey, the other thing is if we, if we do go, when we go, I want you to eat after me. I'm going to use the spigot and then I want you to use my runoff bowl. <laughs> No, I no, I can't. There's no way. You're, that, you're Mr. No like, Germ no, guy because the proposition is so gross. You're, you're no, propositioning me right now, and that makes me feel more uncomfortable than the potential millions of bacteria in the bowl. And you have to drive with me while I scratch my butt <laughs> and stick my hand out in the wind and get pollen all over it, and then run it off into the bowl, Mr. No Germs. Or germs don't bother me. Yeah, germs don't bother. And look, we're not going to get into it, but. Let's just say I'm 31 years old. I'm going to be 32 pretty still soon. Alive. And I've been living this way. I'm still alive. I've never had any major illnesses. This is the man who did get food poisoning off of Subway three times. And A kept couple going times. Back. And I kept going back. I've been back. I don't let it stop me. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. All right. Well, today, uh, today on our show, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the uh, movie called The Double, directed by... Richard, Richard Aoti. Aoti, um, and starring Jesse Eisenberg. And, and Mia Wasikowska. Right. And um, Mr. After, Sexist. After that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after that, we will check in with Twitter. Um, and briefly. Briefly. And um, after that, we will talk about last show's recommendations and Keith will offer a new recommendation, and uh, that'll be that. All right. And uh, uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, the double. Directed by Richard Aoti, who has done something else. He did a movie called Submarine. Right. He was also in The Watch. Right. And he's in that series, The IT, the crowd, IT crowd. Which I watched the first like episode yeah. of on Netflix and I thought was terrible. Yeah. But people I, people love it. Yeah, they do. And that's, that's how I've... You're s- in IT. You should watch it. Yeah. That's how I've seen him before on the cover of that because it's always on Netflix. But I've never actually seen anything that he's done outside of the double um it's starring jesse eisenberg and, and mia uh wasikowski <laughs> wasikowski now now you yeah, got, I, I came in right, knowing it you. okay mia mia f- the girl uh from Alice wasikowska in right 
Kowski. And it's about, it's based on the Dostoyevsky novel, right? The double. Of the same name, The Double. Mm -hmm. And it's about a, um, it's about an average worker who works in more or less like a office farm, I guess. Mm -hmm. And one day, uh, mysterious, his mysterious double shows up, person that looks, is basically the cool version of him, right? Right. The successful... Um, Right, popular, like popular, well-spoken, arguably, uh, jerk version of yeah. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, um, and so that's the the premise of the movie. It's available on video on demand. That's how we both watched it. Mm -hmm. I watched it. It wasn't really a recommendation, right? But you were like, I watched this movie. I really liked it, so I thought I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, so we watched it. Um, do you want to go first? I don't really have much to say about it. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I guess we can sort of get into the, the details of it in that it's, it's a period piece movie kind of, but it's like hyper stylized. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, I guess what, what I was going to, yeah, it's, it's, it's a non-specific. It's non-specific, but it's, 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 it's retro. It's non-specific. I, I, I wouldn't argue that it... I, I don't think it takes place in the future. Uh -huh. I mean, they're looking at like CRT monitors. They're looking at like mm -hmm. old tube televisions. Yeah. So I would argue, if anything, it's an more or less an alternate history. Well, yeah. and I mean, when, when did... You saw Brazil, right? Terry Gilliam? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Because I want to be like, you know, when did, when did Brazil take place? Like... But Brazil was also made in the... 80s right yeah. i don't know the the, the the time has the same feel to me Is yeah that like I, a don't, I don't disagree or past i don't like, disagree but to me it strikes me more as past than future right but, but regardless that's not it's not really the i know that's, yeah that's not really the the focus i guess for me the focus is that it is hyper stylized mm -hmm. and i don't care for that stylization i'm glad that you say that I don't either. Yeah. It's it's funny. I honestly, you know, this movie takes place in a dystopia. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't like dystopias in, in general. Uh, and it's also a dystopian bureaucracy. Like, focuses on the office place. Yeah, yeah. The, the film, to me, feels most like Joe versus the Volcano, the first part of it, mm -hmm. which I don't know if you've ever seen it or i'm sure i saw it when i was a kid but i really or or being john malkovich mm -hmm. where he works on the seven and a half floor and that's just treated as right. like yeah no, doesn't he work on the 13th floor well it, it's like 13 and a half but but it's a, it's a half floor right because everybody's stooped right so seven yeah, and a half yeah, or 13 yeah. And a half, yeah it's it's a half floor but it's, it's something like that where it's an absurdity that's taken as reality and is never commented on. And that's what the double, that, that that's its environment that it takes place in, where there's a lot of absurdities going on, like the double verification from to get into his job, all of the bureaucratic loopholes and yeah. hoops that he has to jump through just to get a copy made or anything like that. And I just feel like those universes freak me out 
because when I was a kid, I honestly used to have a fear of going to sleep and waking up in a universe yeah. that all of a sudden played by different rules mm-hmm. that I didn't understand. There was like, yeah, you now go to school underground, you know? And that's, that's where the school is. It's underground. And I'm like, yeah, when? and it, it used to freak me out. And so these dystopian kind of universes always used to freak me out on, on film. Yeah. And I, I, for me, I think the, it's not, I don't feel like it plays by a different, by different rules as much as it plays by like trumped up rules of the of the like i don't feel like the double verification thing is something that doesn't exist they're just being hard asses to jesse eisenberg and i feel like that's played up more to establish the insignificance of eisenberg than it is the 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 you know alternate reality of the universe i feel like that's why i'm saying that's why i feel like it's hyper stylized i feel like it's a more or less a 50s setting see like cranked up to 11 well i see this is interesting i wasn't even i was planning to sail through this point i didn't know that we'd have such different readings well on the on the setup of the film and i don't i don't really care one way or the other i just really didn't like it yeah yeah And, and 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 that's what the movie is i mean from the acting to the setting, to everything. It's very hyper-stylized, okay. and I didn't care for that hyper-stylization. Well, see, and, and that's what I'm getting at. Normally, I don't care for movies like this either. This is what I, this is why I, I wrote down. So, this the, the film opened with Jesse Eisenberg on a subway, and he's right. going into work, leaving work, whatever, we don't know, and a man walks up to him and says, you're in my seat. And, of course, the camera pans back, and guess what? There are a ton of seats open and Jesse Eisenberg can't work up whatever he needs to work up to say, find another seat. He just meekly looks around, stands up and then moves and lets the guy have his seat right from the get go. I was like, I hate, I'm going to hate this film. Yeah, absolutely. And just the, just to add to that a little bit, the man doesn't then sit down in the seat and start reading his newspaper that he has like a normal person. He sits down in his seat and pulls the newspaper all the way up to, to his, his face, face so you can't see anything below yes. his shoulders. Yeah. Or above his shoulders, I should say. Right. Except for and, a newspaper. And, and this is where I will say that our different takes on the beginning do or, or on the setting do matter in that I think it's not just hyper stylized, that this is a alternate kind of universe that's playing by different rules that is like ours, but but different mm-hmm. like just in the work that he does we see him do a lot of work did you have any idea of what he's actually doing it's, yeah, it seems it, both arbitrary right. and very important yeah. it's all about running reports all about running reports and making and, copies more and or less. Vintage, making copies of the reports yeah and in watching you know things go up and down on these old retro scales <clears throat> to me it's like an alternate future universe where they have both new technology old it's it's bizarre anyway normally i don't like that but that's that's why i take when he yeah he holds the paper right up to his face it's like he sticks his paper or his face in the paper that is hyper stylized but i think it's speaking to something a little different i think it's supposed to be unsettling i think it is but that to be a that bit. person is his double right is i honestly did not get that really but that's an, that's the that's first thing very... i thought maybe that's just because i knew it was about a double but well, that's the very first thing i thought like this person because it never it purposefully never shows the guy's face right but but he does see his face and he doesn't 
react That's like he true. does l- later on when he sees his double and faints. But anyway, so from from the very beginning, I'm like, I am not going like because I don't like movies set in a weird dystopian yeah. kind of future that's kind of weird where I think, you know, I would not be like, all I can think about is like going through a time warp and ending up in that place and being like, this is the weirdest, like they've, when he orders a drink and she brings him like blue water or whatever, stuff like that freaks me out anyway. Um, but then also I'm like, I don't like characters who I'm going to watch for an hour and a half, two hours who need to say things and they're never going to say it. It's going to be one of those things where it's like, just tell her right. blah, 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 yeah. and make it better. And you know that he's not going to do it because he's so meek. He's a pushover. Yeah. I don't like that. I want to see somebody take a little more initiative. And so from the from the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to like this. And then in the subway, he's standing. He looks in the car to the back mm-hmm. and he sees... This woman, Mia Wasikowska, mm-hmm. right? In a separate car. In a separate right. car. And she's riding, she's standing, and her eyes are closed, and she's just kind of swaying with the train as it's as it's moving. And for whatever reason, she's... And I feel like from that scene through the whole film, she's filmed so beautifully. And that actually worked on me. Mm-hmm. So... I had a reaction to seeing her in that universe in the same way that Jesse Eisenberg was feeling. And I think I was able to connect to the film through her more than through Jesse Eisenberg, who as that character is just a meek pushover the whole time. But every time he goes and sees Mia Wasikowska or whatever, and she's filmed, I just think she's filmed so beautifully. Hmm. And then she acts amazingly. The the other note that I wrote down is that I like the fact that she is real. She's she's playing her character with a sense of reality that fights against this idea of the manic pixie dream girl mm-hmm. scenario that you see in film, mm-hmm. where it's just this crazy kooky girl who has all these weird tics that the guy just wants to get to know, and she's gonna fix everything right, for me, right, you right, know. Right. And and it you know that trope has really played out where he is intrigued by her and she does things somewhat oddly, but I think she has a sense of reality to her character that I found interesting and exciting in, mm-hmm. in a film that is very depressing. Yes, it is. A, it is very, it is a very depressing movie. It Maybe not depressing, but like dark or sort of, uh, hmm, maybe nihilistic, I would say. Uh, I mean, at least on a surface level. Yeah, it, it depends on, I guess, your reading of the film. Yeah. Um. B- but quickly, I will say the the Mia Wasikowski did not strike me in any way really? during the movie. I will say that that shot you're talking about in the beginning, which, if I remember correctly, is it's just like a, a black screen, and then you have the square window from the subway car mm-hmm. is the only thing on the screen. And she's mm-hmm. standing in that square and it's like swaying back. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome shot. It is yeah. a really good shot. But I mean, she didn't really strike me in any sort of way. Really? Um, yeah. But to, to move on to Jesse Eisenberg's character. I mean, for me, this the movie was sort of more or less destined to fail because I didn't I don't like the hyper stylized nature of it. First of all, I just don't like it. 
And the, 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 the first thing that it sort of made me think of is um, something like Hudsucker Proxy, which I know a yeah, lot of people love. That's, that, yeah, that's another good um, one. But I don't like that movie because I just, the, that hyper stylized stuff of like fast talk, I just don't like it. It just doesn't work for me for whatever reason. And But then you put on top of that Jesse Eisenberg, who I also don't particularly care for. Um, I just is sort of like doomed to fail. Like I, I don't like his shtick of the nervous nerdy guy, which is what he plays in this movie. When except when he's playing the cool version of himself, which the only difference is the cool version of himself more or less talks faster without like a whimper in his voice. That's it. That's the only difference. Um, so it's like imagine Jesse Eisenberg talking even faster, and like that's supposed to be the cool version of Jesse Eisenberg. It's just like it doesn't work. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's supposed to like this. He's talking like. 500 words a second but i mean maybe that's what makes him you know kind of attractive to everybody in that world the fact that he is talking that faster he's bringing to his conversations with people more than they're getting from anybody else in their life you know that he is actually bringing some energy into a world that is really it they really press upon you yeah how dark and drab this world is yeah and and then also there's the idea of who the double is so i guess we should spoiler warning you know moving forward yeah yeah so so i guess you know, it, it, the first thing I thought of after, while watching it was Enemy, and the other movie we talked about. Right. Where Jake Gyllenhaal confronts his double. And I guess there is somewhat of a question in that movie whether this, whether they're the same person or whether it's a different person. Um, I feel like in this movie, it's more or less always presented, maybe until the end, that this is two separate people. Right. One is, I mean, they work in two different places. I mean, I guess they work in the same building, but they have two different cubicles or whatever you want to call them. People have seen them in the same room. Right. But what's also interesting is that there's a running kind of gag that one guy can't tell the difference between the two. Right. The security guard. Oh, no, 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 no. He he doesn't see them. He doesn't see the similarity. Exactly. Right. Gosh, why can I say that? Absolutely. Yeah, he can't see the similarity. And yeah, that that's one of his workmates. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's like a security guard. Well, no, he he does something in the company that that, that again is kind of. I thought he broad. was watching like surveillance videos. Is he? Yeah. 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 Anyway, I mean, he, you know, <clears throat> where where he doesn't see the similarity of these or, two identical. No, people. the 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 guy at the entrance, right? Like at one point, the cool Jesse Eisenberg brings in the nerdy right. Jesse Eisenberg, and the security like, guard like waves the cool guy. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't like bat an eye or whatever. Exactly. Right. So, so there's that kind of thrown in there too, where you you wonder is the meek Jesse Eisenberg just projecting himself on this new character, and he's mentally ill, and we're just seeing his projection mm-hmm. on a new guy. Um, and kind of wish fulfillment of wishing you could maybe be like this guy. Um, 
but I think I think the movie plays plays it a lot more like Enemy in the end, where yeah. they are just the same person. They're linked somehow. It's almost like his ego has become separate from himself. That he, you know, what it is. I just got it. It just clicked. Okay. Light bulb. The whole time, Jesse Eisenberg is talking about feeling so alone and isolated. That he feels like he could just be a paper kind of person that you could poke right through. Right. That he has become so meek that I think that he has, his ego literally has like become its own entity. There's one line that's on the tip of my tongue that I can't remember mm-hmm. that I think will tie it all together where he, it's it's a refrain. I think he said like twice. I'd have to go back and see it again. Mm-hmm. But but I think I think that's it. I think we're, we're dealing with a with a man who has been so pressed down and made so flat that this other side of him, you know, couldn't do anything but manifest itself. I guess there's a lot of intricacies to that. Like, well, I guess, I guess if you're looking at in a way that like, in the way that the security guard presents it and that Jesse Eisenberg is so undistinguishable from anybody else. Exactly. That it's possible for him to create this alter ego that he runs around with. What, once the alter ego comes in, people literally have, have a problem seeing him. They yeah. literally like, you know, that, that guy at work again is like, kind of calls him a non-person. Yeah. He's like, I don't see the similarity. He's like, honestly, you're kind of a non-person. Yeah. So, I think there is that idea, you know, again, I think we're jumping to the end on the spot, but yeah. Uh, well, and, and I guess just to go there at the end of the movie, um, you know, everything starts coming to a head where the, the, the popular version of Jesse Eisenberg is getting credit for everything that the maybe real version of Jesse Eisenberg is doing. Um, and then it comes to a head at a funeral, at his mom's funeral, correct? His mom is in a funeral home. She dies. They go. Jesse Eisenberg shows up at the funeral. His ego is his there. His ego is there. They fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Eisenberg gets thrown in a grave. Beside a grave. Beside a grave. I think he's in a grave. Right. And then, it, uh, and then he... Um, he wakes up and and then he decides he 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 decides to recreate um, a suicide attempt that happens earlier in the movie mm-hmm. right so earlier in the movie um, one of the, the one of the crazies that's falling around Mia Waskowski jumps off a building and kills himself I think himself. it's Kowska well, whatever what what's her character's name we need to I start have calling no idea her yeah by her character's name um, we're gone Hannah. Is that it? Yeah. Just came to me. Okay, Hannah. Hannah. Um, and so Jesse Eisenberg recreates that. He, he goes to his ego's apartment, handcuffs him to his bed, goes to the roof of the building, jumps off the building in a manner that doesn't kill him, um, which is suggested by police officers early in the movie. But it does. Suicide policemen. Right. Who only deal with suicides. But it does kill his... Ego, ego which 
saying it's that like out club. loud is yeah yeah it's it's the Fight Club. Ending. It's exactly it's it's exactly yeah. Fight Club. Um, but I I think for whatever reason it did none of it worked for me. Ugh. And it all worked for it. Maybe not all worked for you, but it worked for you. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say that there there were things in there that didn't work. The other thing that they have to say that really worked for me is the filmmaking. I thought the way that the camera kept switching from an objective kind of filmmaking perspective mm-hmm. to a character's perspective was pretty interesting and and pretty exciting. Um, from the the recreation when the policemen are talking about that man who jumped, saying, yeah, if he has jumped, you know, two feet over this way, you would have hit that, landed there, right. and the camera kind of takes those perspectives as they're talking about it to taking Jesse Eisenberg's perspective at different times too. He'll just switch to his perspective, what he's seeing. Mm-hmm. I thought stuff like that was so, so I thought the filmmaking had a lot going for it yeah, too. I don't think you can fault it. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely consistent. It just is. Like I said, I don't, you've got two major elements that I really don't care for. And that's the, the over the top stylization of the world and the acting and sort of, you know, like nothing is really explained. Everything is just sort of presented as fact. And because everything is so over the top, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't, I just don't care for that. And then you also pair that with Jesse Eisenberg, who has been playing more or less the same character since, you know, he was however old he was in Roger Dodger, right? And just like he's great in Roger Dodger because he's fourteen, and that's how fourteen-year-olds act. But guess what? That movie's like what fifteen years old now? Fourteen what, what, years old? Like think of you don't act like that when you're thirty years old. What would you think of Social Network? Social Network was was good. You know, it was fine. Um, I think that's him playing against type. Yeah, but, yeah, of course. But this is him playing playing his type, like to yeah. the max. And then you have like, like, like. It, it's more or less you you have like this idea of like like it's like the it's like it's like Urkel and Stefan right <laughs> like Urkel was oh. the nerd <laughs> Stefan was cool and Stefan was cool right except now you've got like you've got like an Urkel and like Urkel plus like they're both still Urkels right but but in that universe one of them's not I th- maybe I think but, it, but I, I think it says something about the universe that they're in that he can be both this nobody and this somebody yeah that you know that that world is so colorless yeah and i but i think i'm coming to it more from the enemy perspective where you know i i loved enemy like enemy is so do i i loved it absolutely and J- i love jake gyllenhaal's performance in enemy and yeah. i feel like if you watch both of his performances as the history professor and as the actor they're two extremely different performances. Well, I mean, maybe not extremely, but they're very different. And there are a lot of nuances to both yes. that just yeah. aren't in either of these performances. Like I said, I feel like the cool version of Jesse Eisenberg is just Jesse Eisenberg not making his voice shake while he's talking. That's I, I mean, all I got. from and that. And like I said, coming into it, I don't care for his acting. See, I, I, I will say, look, I'm, I'm not a big Jesse Eisenberg fan either, but I'm not, I'm not, I guess so hung up on, on one person or whatever. Yeah. And this film, I think for me, like 
the character of Hannah made it for me in a way that I didn't realize until I was thinking about it again. Yeah. That without Hannah, I, I think I, I would have been in the same boat as you. Jesse Eisenberg, I think, is doing something a little more than, than what you what you give him credit for. I think it's more about the world that they're inhabiting mm-hmm. that uh, Richard Aote put so much time and effort into. Mm-hmm. that. And I think I read a, a review where somebody mentioned the setting of the film overtaking the film and kind of being the, the point of the film. Mm-hmm. was the production design and this world that they created. Yeah. I, th- I think there's something to that. Um, I think it's made with enough um, filmmaking kind of, uh, you know, perspective or, or intent um, that I found it interesting. I think the, the story is pretty, you know, you've seen it before. But Hannah, I think, is amazing. Yeah, and um, and I, I ended up responding really strong to it. And Enemy, I watched again with my wife after we watched it, mm-hmm. and loved it even yeah. more the second time. I'm wondering if I'll have the opposite reaction if I watch the double again. Yeah, and maybe I'll go the other way because there are a lot of things that I shouldn't like about it, but I still came out liking it. Yeah. And I think I said that in my recommendation to you. Didn't I? Did I say I shouldn't like this film? Or was I was I full-throatedly? Uh, no, I think you more or less said that you were surprised at how much you liked it. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, and to just, just close it out, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I certainly acknowledge that it, it was made per- purposefully with a very purposeful intent. It's not haphazard at all. And I'm, I'm trying to put the onus as much on me as I can. Like it it just, this is just not my type of movie, you know, as sort of, as much as you can sort of explore it and pull it apart and put it back together as you, as you can. And I think you can, if you want to, I think it supports, you know, different theorizing, all that stuff. I just can't get past the visuals of it and the acting of it. That's just, you know, and that's on me. But I will say that after I watched it, I I wanted to, um, and maybe this was part of trying to figure out the ending mm-hmm. or wanting to know more about what I just watched. Because like I said before, it's it doesn't really explain anything to you. The movie just starts yeah. and it goes forward. And it yeah. never once acknowledges that what it's doing is different, that the world that it world lives in is, is different. different than what mm-hmm. you're living in. It just goes. Mm-hmm. Um and you know that's that's a I think that's a triumph I think that's a, a positive for the movie but it did make me want to read the book the the short the short yeah the novella. short story that it was based or yeah. a short novella that it was based off of but I I couldn't you know I couldn't find it um it's it's a loose adaptation very and loose. that's what I read too mm-hmm. um so then I kind of lost interest You're like forget it but. Uh, you know that that's the double. Take it, take it, take it for what it is. Take it for what we said. You know, I, and I think you, it maybe doesn't go without saying because I'm going to say it. But with anything we talk about, that's I think that's somewhat of a recommendation. And I would certainly recommend watching this over. You know about the new X Men film. I, I haven't seen it. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the X Men movies. What would you say if somebody was like? Well, should I see New X-Men? I would probably say New X-Men. 
just because it's gotten a lot of good reviews. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm but kind like, of interested. But like maybe, you know, I would recommend this maybe over like, I don't even know what's, I would recommend this over Blended. Oh, there you right? go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'll take that. As much as I don't like this movie, I would, I would say, you know, if you're going to watch, if you need something to watch and your alternatives are like Blended or you know, some, some other, you know, just sort of throwaway movie on Netflix. I would recommend, I would recommend this. I don't know if I'd recommend $7 to watch it on VOD, but maybe if like, if maybe it was on Netflix or, you know. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be there soon. I would, yeah. I would recommend it is as somebody, if you, I mean, I would recommend it for Hannah, which feels kind of weird because she, she complains about having stalkers. And well, I and feel she's like, not in the movie that much. That's what's kind of weird to me about she doesn't play a huge. I mean, she's in the movie, of course, but she doesn't play a huge part. But but the the things that she does, the way that she interacts with the world, I felt was different. The Jesse Eisenberg story mm-hmm. from Fight Club to Enemy to you know countless other films that deal with doppelgangers. Yeah, I've seen before, so I I knew where that was going. This has a very Terry Gilliam esque kind yeah, of yeah, it does. It you really know, does. setting, and none of that was as compelling to me as you know the female character who kind of comes in and changes the dynamic of the story. She's not in it a lot, but she's integral. In, yeah, integral. Yeah, integral. Yeah. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> You know, to to yeah. the story. So yeah, and and that's what I was gonna say. It, her presence, I feel like her presence, or sort of like, I guess her presence is a good. Her presence is is in the movie. You feel her presence more in the movie, yeah. than she is actually in the movie. Absolutely. Um. So I guess that is something to say about the character, at least. Um. But, but that's the double. Uh. We'll leave it at that. All right. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back with uh, Twitter. Okay, so... Our, our Twitter section is going to undergo a little bit of a change. Because um, not everything's interesting. Right. Not okay. everything is interesting. And so the name of the podcast is a little... It's a little sarcastic, I guess. Um, but with, To you, maybe. Yeah. But with that in mind, you know, we're not going to spend 30 to 50 to 60 minutes in our main segment talking about something that we don't find interesting even if like neither of us like it, I, we're still going to talk about something that we feel like is at least of some value to the culture. Like a book that's coming like up. Like a book coming up that we will be talking about that, uh, spoiler alert, neither of us really care <laughs> for. Um, but th- but this, this Twitter section is more or less our opportunity to challenge the idea that I feel like social media is now presenting that everything is interesting because everything is not interesting <laughs> contrary to the our own name um, 
So we're going to open up our this section to not just, you know, what's currently trending on Twitter, but maybe, you know, more or less what's happened in the social media sphere since we last talked. So, you know, that could be Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, YouTube, like Instagram, anything really that anything on the Internet, more or less. Um, so with that in mind, um we'll we'll get to it you know uh so justin what's happened for you this week on uh (laughs) social media well the first thing i'll talk about which i which is which is maybe only be interesting to a select few people because it deals with the nfl but um there's been a lot of controversy around the washington redskins especially in this area we're in you know virginia so the closest team we have not counting the Panthers, I guess. Can you re- really quick? Can you call them the Skins? No. Like, like, what's no, the what, what's no, the no, no. what's the abbreviation? Not- no. Everyone in the media is calling them. Everyone in the media that opposes is calling them the Washington National Football Team, right? Okay. Something along those lines. But the controversy is around the, the Redskins name. Everyone wants to change their name because it's racist, um, and whether you fall. On either side of that argument. It is racist. Right. The consensus, <laughs> at least among the media and at least among people who are being vocal, is that it is a very racist name and it needs to be changed. Yeah. So for some reason, the Redskins PR team thought it would be a good idea last week to start trending the hashtag Redskins Pride. And they, st- mm. <laughs> they started it. Let me pull up the the tweet that they started it with. They started it with. Okay, so this is from the official Washington Redskins Washington Redskins Twitter account. Tweet at Senator Reed, which is Harry Harry Reed, who has been very vocal in the idea that the Redskins need to change their name. Right. Tweet at Senator Harry Reed to show your Redskins pride to show your hashtag Redskins pride. And tell him what the team means to you. And it immediately started like a shitstorm of like bad PR for the Redskins. And I, well, actually, let me go through because I, I favorited a handful of, um, talk about not knowing your audience. That's what I'm saying. Like, how can you be so, and like, after seeing this, I, I read some things. I read like the press release that they announced and all this stuff. And it just like, it, it, they basically buried their the Redskins buried their head in the sand and stuck to the party line and refused to look at any sort of opposing opinion. Right. And um, maybe I oh okay I did I did. <laughs> so here's here's um, here's the one tweet I could find that was for hashtag Redskins Pride. Uh, it's from Mavwatch. Hashtag turn, whatever that means. And this is the tweet. I like the name. Shrug. <laughs> he wrote shrug. He wrote shrug. And that's it. That's all I could find. The rest was like, um, oh no, I'm sorry. This was another, this was another positive one. What will you people turn to next? Will you say it's unfair to all the animals that are used as NFL, as, as NFL mascots? <laughs> it's like, all right. Um, 
Instead of harassing the Redskins, U.S. Senate should fix 200-plus years of broken treaties with Native Americans. Which, that's not a bad point. Like, <laughs> maybe Harry <laughs> Reid shouldn't be so concerned with the Redskins football name. Right. Like, but it just was like... Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's interesting. Like, what if you go even further? Like, if, you, if you're somebody who supports the name, you know, just like... Take the criticism, then go further with it, and be like, right. "All right, Harry Reid, like then change, you know, the 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 living um, standards for some of these tribes, you know." Yeah, yeah, and that and that's that's, I I think that's the like, you know, I, I think obviously we both agree the name needs to be changed. Yeah, right. Um, despite what Dan Snyder says, despite what the company line says. I mean, and I think it was Deadspin or somebody released um, an article uh, last week, late last week, um, sort of refuting everything that they claim about the heritage of the name. Right. Um, they dug up some interviews with, with the originators of the name who are just like, it really means this. I really just <laughs> named it this because of it. You know what I mean? And it's right. just like, oh, okay. Um but it just really like as soon as I saw that, it was just like, what are they like? What are they thinking? Yeah. How does this hat like 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 the the person getting paid to create that hashtag and maybe that tweet, it's an unpaid intern? I guess potentially. But see, the thought that I have is like, there's that person has to be making more money than me, right? Yeah, they're, they're like in charge of the social work, media. Like, for... like football teams make a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? This person who's in charge of their account is probably making a decent amount of money is probably making more than me. Like, and who they, isn't, <laughs> yeah, but they don't know, like maybe this isn't a good idea. Or maybe it was like Dan Snyder was just like, Hey, we're doing this. Right. right? Start a hashtag Redskins pride. Why would you even, why would you put the thing that's most upsetting and controversial? The other thing too is like social media is not a closed network. Like, yeah. and, and that's, and that's being shown in the, um, you know, the, the yes, all women hashtag and then right. the not all men yeah. backlash hashtag. Well, have you, and you've seen the cats one too. Yes, all cats. Ugh. Yeah. No, but, but, but the men one quickly got overtaken and I wanted yeah. to be like, what were you guys thinking? Like number one in trying to in any way answer a yes, all women's hashtag, yeah. <clears throat> which is trying to address a point. And then to think like we got control over this, like you, you, you will lose control immediately. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. You know what the Redskins thing reminds me of? And I hadn't heard about it until you, you, you said that. Um, did you hear about the Chipotle open carry laws in Texas? Yeah. Yeah. That's what oh, that they're just in Texas? Uh, I think other people have done it where there are open carry yeah. laws. Yeah. But, but I think it's, it started in Texas. Oh, like, okay. I, at least that's in the I article I read. I saw the headlines. Yeah, yeah. In the article I read, showed like these two guys like in a Chipotle with AK forty seven. Yeah, much, I you saw know? that article. I saw the headline. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to be like, you know, what are you guys thinking? Like, do you think that you have control over everybody who owns a gun to sit there and say like, go out and do this thing? It'll be okay. Yeah. It won't be okay. Yeah, like. There are a million ways that that can go wrong, you know, an accidental discharge, God forbid, you know, when, what are you proving? Yeah. What are you proving yet? You have a gun. Yeah. Way to go. You know, you have a gun and you're in a Chipotle. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) 
You know what I mean? It's like if there's like it's it's completely different. It's like, hey, I'm showing up to these like protests with a gun. You're you're yeah. about to order like a burrito bowl <laughs> and you're holding an AK forty six. You're holding like an a semi automatic assault rifle. Exactly. <laughs> and and then also to to have no like, can you imagine being the teenage worker on the other side of that? Can you yeah. imagine if yeah. a guy with an AK-47 is like, I want extra cheese? Like, I'd be shaking to be like, how much extra cheese does he want? Is this too much cheese? Right. Is this not enough cheese? Like, yeah. the guy's got a gun, right. you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, that that to me is so mindless and senseless. It boggles, it boggles my mind. The yeah. same thing with the... Hashtag. I have something else that kind of boggles my mind that I wanted to bring up yeah. really quick. Um, mine is YouTube. And it's based off of a podcast I listen to about Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. which I watch. And uh, you you brought up um, off air uh, mm-hmm. that you watched the Red Wedding right. episode yeah. recently. Oh, I watched the Red Wedding scene. Scene. Just That's right. Scene. You didn't watch Because I've, I've read the books. Right, right. Except for the fifth one. So, um, I'm sure you know about the reaction videos. Do you know about those to the Red Wedding? I've never seen any. Yeah, but you know that people do that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people do reaction videos to, like, the last reaction video I saw, I think, hmm. was probably some girl watching the, like, Twilight trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I see you. You know more of the obscure internet. Yeah. Like, I think that's your like. Uh, yeah. You're almost like a scholar when it comes to obscure <laughs> yeah. internet videos. But yeah, to me, like, like the reaction video I thought with the red wedding was interesting because you had a situation where no matter how much a show watcher knew, they weren't expecting what was going to happen. Right. So you had this unique storm of. Book readers knowing something momentous is about to happen with, you know, show watchers being oblivious. Like, even if you said, what's the worst thing that can happen on the show? They wouldn't say a massacre of a lot of the main characters. Um, So you had the ability for book readers to set up cameras and film people as they watch. Yeah, I did watch some of those. Now that you start to describe it, I did watch some of those. Now, some of those I actually like like because you want to share that experience right you had a, yeah. an experience like yeah. oh my gosh you know and then you wanted like i was watching my wife when she watched that scene to be yeah. like how is she going to take this yeah. and she did not take it well and i thought it was hilarious <laughs> yeah. you know um and so i i liked i liked some of those videos now recently on game of thrones uh another big event has happened right and i won't spoil the event um but something big happened and I was listening to this podcast called uh, Game of Thrones, and um, they they brought up the fact that people have made reaction videos to the scene that happened this mm-hmm. last week. The problem with that is that it does not have the uniqueness of an event that show watchers were not expecting. Everybody knew something big was going to happen. Right. We, we, it was a combat scene. Right, exactly. Two people. Say, just by nature, you know this is going to end in some one way. One person is dying. Right. Who's it going to be, right? And then people went off and started filming themselves. And apparently on the video that they were talking about, which is a montage video of mm-hmm. a collection of a bunch, that this time around, it was a lot more single people 
filming themselves watching this <laughs> <laughs> instead of with the red wedding where you had book readers yeah. who were clearly setting up like yeah. she has no idea right this one is just like people are like okay i'm going to watch this combat scene click here's my reaction and you you know they, they reference i didn't watch the video because i physically cannot bring myself to watch yeah. this video right but they reference you know one guy apparently like it's him watching it by himself and then edit He's in the fetal position. Yeah. You think? Like, you know, he's just obviously trying and playing this role of grief or whatever. And it it obviously became a show the second time around. Right. And then they brought up an interesting point they think is true, which is who films themselves watching a show alone? Who (laughs) does that? Right? What kind of psychopath do you have to be to do that? Or narcissist, right? Yeah. And so I wanted, I guess, throw that to you because you know you're a purveyor of kind of internet videos and stuff. Yeah. Like, what what is the makeup of somebody who would film themselves watching a Twilight trailer? Is it as kind of kind of lonely and sad as you expect it to be? Yeah. Are these people part of a community that I just don't know about? Are they clearly reacting? Do you think to their video? To make it interesting. I mean, they're not just going to film themselves watching something like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many ways I could go with this. But. And I, I, I definitely acknowledge that I have a very cynical take on all of this. Um, But I think the first I think the first aspect of it is that you have this organic happening of the red wedding, right? Where you have this unique setup of the book readers know something really intense is about to happen. So they're filming the people who've only watched shows. And that is an organic happening, right? And and it's a wedding. Nobody's It's not like a combat scene. Exactly. It happened naturally. The name of the show doesn't hint at what's supposed, to, what's at what's going to happen. Right. It, like you said, it's a wedding, so you're not really expecting anything. Except after watching it, you there are like hints. There are hints. Yeah. And, but even that is just like, and and even seeing that, I was thinking like, man, I I can imagine watching this not having read the books and being like, <laughs> just being like <laughs> like feeling my heart drop. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, I think you have that, and and now you have people looking to recreate that popularity. Yeah. Right. And so that's what that is. But then I also think like, like, and this, and I was just talking with, um, or texting with one of our friends, Marco. I was just texting with him today about this. It's, it's like, it's like with, with social media, it's, it's a strange phenomenon because I feel like nobody believes what anybody else posts on like Facebook, you know what I mean? Or like, like, like the stuff that's like more or less like bragging about their lives or like Mm -hmm. just saying like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I feel like nobody believes that, but then everybody thinks when they post something, everyone else is interested. You know what I mean? Like, like there's obviously exceptions, but it's like when someone's, I feel like when someone's post posting a picture of like what they're eating for dinner, it's like, it's like if I were to look at somebody else's picture of dinner, I'd be like, I don't care what you're eating for dinner. Right. And then I'd turn around and take a picture of my own dinner and be like, everyone's going to care about this. You know what right. I mean? Like nobody cares. 
but but then for some reason we've convinced ourselves we've convinced ourselves it's everyone cares about us sharing. but we don't care about anybody else you know what i mean yeah it's just a weird thing and so so basically what you're saying is you you kind of doubt that the people who are making those videos are seeking them out themselves and watching other people's oh, and engaging absolutely. with them right. they are just right. interested in making right. their video they think their video is the, right. the video to see right they're not they're not looking at it as a community they're not like, looking at it as a community doing, they're yeah. looking at it as the definitive more or less the definitive or, or like i i guess definitive is not the right word but it just is it i don't know it just seems like a weird blind spot that people have you know what yeah I mean? um but then just to take this into a more or less weird deeper internet turn <laughs> yeah um i spend a lot of time on reddit and I spend a good amount of time on the subreddit cringe pics, which is just as like people posting stuff to on the internet that make you cringe. And there are a lot of um, crying selfie pictures on there. And there are pictures of like people crying and then taking a picture of themselves and posting it with like a caption of like, you know, I'm a lot stronger than you think I am or something like that. It just is like, it just is so strange. And I think to me that, that really sort of crystallizes like people have this strange view of social media where it's like the stuff I do is so much, so much more important than the stuff that everybody else does. Even if I'm doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. The fact that I'm doing it, makes this thing justified it's almost like maybe they've seen other people doing something like it and they think oh they're onto something but they don't right. understand right i got right. this yeah i'm gonna take my shirt off i'm gonna flex and i'm gonna cry <laughs> yeah. and this is gonna be right. and then people need to see this yeah you know? uh, but one other thing i wanted to talk about was this article that was going around on facebook i saw it on reddit whenever it came up and then you know later that day it was just all over facebook and i don't know if you saw it but it was this article about the former sears building in chicago i don't know i can't remember what it's named now but it's the sears tower right it was yeah. just renamed i think um they have a glass balcony that you stand on there's a crack in it right exactly the glass broke right oh except that's not what happened huh exactly there's a coating on top of the glass that is made to break when it wears out so they know when to replace it. So what happened was that coating broke like it's supposed to, and then they replaced it. And that's it. The, the actual glass in the building never cracked. It was just a coating on top of the glass. <laughs> but it's like... I saw this article shared at least like 20 times by 20 yeah. different people, and it's all... The glass broke in this building, and right. then you've seen the comments like, this is so scary. It's right. just like, and look, I didn't read all 20 articles. I read the initial article on Reddit, and then I looked at the comments, and the comments are like, you know, if you go here, it says this is supposed to crack. This is part of, this is like a feature. The safety feature. This is feature. This is a feature. It's not a defect, right? Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, I start seeing all of these articles from, from wherever, BuzzFeed. You know, Huffington Post, wherever. Sears Tower, or I can't remember what it's called. 
glass in sky balcony breaks. And it's just like, eh, it's not really what happened. Well, it, I mean, that that one's easy to, to understand. They are, it's clickbait. Oh, it's absolutely. Clickbait. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you title your article with a misleading headline. And this is what happens on Facebook all yeah. the time with somebody going to some inane personal blog where somebody purports to be an expert about something and they you know great article interesting read and you're like you didn't read this whole thing yeah if you did you'd realize that this guy's a nut yeah at the at the end (laughs) like you read that headline you read the headline and maybe like the whatever you first paragraph yeah first paragraph or even like the sub headline that they have or whatever yeah it's all clickbait that's all yeah all right well that was uh Twitter, social media, um, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, we will... Uh, Justin's Nietzsche Corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. Social <laughs> Network Nietzsche <laughs> Corner. Um, we'll take a break and we will come back with... Recommendations. 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 Uh, last show, I recommended a band called Herzog, who had just released an album called Boys um, to Keith. And Keith loved it unequivocally. Uh, right? All right, let's get to it. Are you ready? Uh, I loved it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, so, I mean, when I was looking them up initially, I think I found somewhere where they called them subtly, subtlety-free rock. Yeah. And I don't know what that means. I, do you know what that means? Yeah, I I think I know what it, at least what it's hinting at. But at the same time, it's kind of like, isn't like all rock subtly free? Like, show me subtlety rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... Uh, but I get what they're hinting at. It's it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like you know like he's got lyrics about like being a fat kid, and the lyrics are like, what's the lyric? Is more like like, I remember fat jokes from sixth grade or something like that. It's it, you know there's not a lot of like, analogy. There's not a lot of like metaphors. Yeah, there's a song called Satan is Real. Right. And the chorus is Satan is real. Satan is real. Right. And then the refrain is, fight him any way you can. Right. That's it. Yeah. But it's great. Oh. Uh, I mean, that, great may be, you know. Yeah. Maybe a little too. Uh, Strong. Weight. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Weighty. Weighty. Yeah. But it's good. It, it's a, it's like I said, it's a good summer album. And it's like, I've been, I've actually been listening to it a lot. It's like, I put my windows down. I'm driving home from work. And it's just like, it's just is a good, feel good summer. Really quick. What's your What's one of the songs you go back to again and again? Do you have a favorite song on the album? Yeah, I do. I really have been listening to a lot. I have really been listening to... Um, shoot. 
what's the album it's called it's it's something like uh it's harder oh shoot <laughs> let me see here uh it's hard getting old yeah that's the one i really like i really like a lot but uh mad men is really good um I mean, I really like all of them. For me, this the standout is it's hard. It's hard getting old. It's hard getting old and Mad Men. For me, you know what the standouts are actually? It's Oh No. Oh No's good. And Teenage Metalhead. Yeah, I I love those two. And upon first listen, I think it took the combination of Oh No, Teenage Metalhead, and Satan is Real to finally for the album to click for me. Yeah. Like up until then I was enjoying it. Yeah. But um but I think when I when I got to those three and then I kind of already mentioned this to you but I wanted to say it on yeah. here. <clears throat> when I was looking through the it's subtly free rock. So I'm like, great, looking through it. And the song um lengths you know kind of speak to that same thing. Subtly free, they're in, they're out, two mm-hmm. minutes, three minutes tops. And then down at the bottom, right? There's a seven-minute song. The, the penultimate song. The penultimate song in the album is seven minutes, and I thought, "Oh no!" Mm-hmm. Like here it is. This is the song that they just indulge themselves for whatever reason, and we're never going to understand what made them go seven minutes on this song. Right. So I was ready to be, you know, kind of proven wrong. When that song came up, and I'm like, I'm going to listen to this whole thing all the way through. And that song is four minutes of unbearable torture. Uh-huh. It ends with the slowest, like, uh-huh. rock breakdown of all time. It's just, and it is just constant. Yeah. And I could not stand it. Yeah. Have you, what's your I, feeling? I disagree. And I oh have to, I have to gosh. say, if you had not brought it up to me earlier, I would have never thought twice about it. And I think part of that is because it's at the first of all, it is the second to last song. Yeah. And the last song is a reprise of like a minute long right. instrumental halfway through the album. Right. So it's more or less the end of the album. So maybe that's why I hadn't noticed it because by that time I had more, I was already more or less done with the album, not in a bad way, just more or less like this is the end. And it sounds like the end. And like you said, it's more or less like, it's like, it's not, first of all, it's not four minutes long. It's like the instrumental part is like two minutes long, maybe, but it feels like four. Right. That's fine. I'll give you that. But it's like two minutes long. It's an instrumental. And it's an instrumental part that is slowly slowing slowly. down, right? Oh yeah. So it's like you get a you get a you get a, a bar of music, then you get that same bar of music, and it's slower, and then it's slower, and then it's slower <laughs> until you're left with like a few like crash uh, hits. Uh. Yeah. But like I said, because it's at the end of the album, I really didn't pay much attention to it. Yeah. Apparently, right. you didn't pay much attention to it. All right. So, Keith has a recommendation for me that he's scrolling through his phone to find. Well, I was going to say, 
there was one that I wanted to do, but then I was like, I actually kind of want to maybe make this a, um, like a main segment sure. review, but, sure. but I don't know that it would work. And so I was quickly scrolling, trying to find something else because I was either going to come to you with a, um, with a short story mm-hmm. to read, mm-hmm. um, which is what I really do want to recommend. Okay. But I didn't come prepared. I came I came with a list. And I don't know which one I want you to read in any okay. time. Um, so instead, I'm going to go with, with my backup, which is what I wanted to make a, a main review maybe. But it's called It's Such a Beautiful Day. Uh-huh. And it's a series of short films made by an animator right and it basically explores this character's kind of mental breakdown a little bit Mm -hmm. uh but i found it you know unbelievably moving and interesting and he uses kind of mixed media and he he's known for kind of using stick figures and it's on it's on vimeo it's on vimeo right and anyway, It's Such a Beautiful Day is a collection of his three short films. So okay. it runs like an hour. Yeah. Um, so that is my recommendation to you. Okay. And um, I figure we could we could talk about it uh, next time we yeah. review. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, or we talk. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, all right. Well, well, that's uh, you know that's the that's the show for this week. Before we we close out, I want to say that the music um, at the beginning and throughout the show is provided by the music at the beginning is provided by an artist who calls himself Johnny Hawaii. Maybe that's his real name. I don't know. Maybe that's not Could an, be. an artistic name. Maybe his name is Johnny Hawaii. Um, and then the the music in between the segments is provided by a guy named Waylon Thornton, and I'm pretty sure that is his real name. Uh, but you can find more details. I hope, so. I hope you didn't create yeah. Waylon Thornton. Find more details on that in the dis- or, or find links to the to their stuff in our description to the show. Um, and be- but before we close out, I wanted to say um, we will hopefully be having a some sort of episode but probably an episode um within a week of this about the new bobcat goldthwaite movie called willow creek which is kind of like a blair witch project about bigfoot Mm -hmm. right um so we're both pretty excited to watch that it comes out on the 6th i want to say which is this friday um so hopefully we'll be able to watch that record something real quick and put it up next week and then after that, maybe a week after that, maybe two weeks, kind of depends on, on how it goes. Uh, but we will then be discussing a book called The Painter by Peter Heller. Um, Emphasis on hell. <laughs> yeah. Emphasis on pain. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hell pain. Yeah. Uh, but we will be discussing that probably, I would say, at least in two weeks maybe a few weeks after that. And if I hadn't have already read about 260 pages, I would recommend you maybe pick it up and read it yourself. But after reading 260 pages, I would say you could probably just listen to our discussion and skip the book. Yeah. Uh, 
but uh, that's it for this week's uh, or for this uh, show. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Z's. And I will say, if you follow me now, today was my first tweet of a series of tweets that will comprise a two-week-long short story. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm in. Okay. Did you read my tweet today? I, I will now. I'll make sure to go yeah. back. It's a little obscure, but I think if you know that that is the opening sentence of a 13-sentence-long short story. <laughs> Let me clear something up for you. Um, and Keith is also on Twitter. You can find Keith. At things come right. Anything anywhere else? Um, I mean, not really. Yeah, I like to keep a low social profile. Yeah, pretty much everything that I do, you can find on my Twitter. I think pretty much anything Keith does, you can find on his Twitter. Yeah, I link to my Tumblr. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's it. Um, and until the next show. Stay warm. Stay. <laughs> See ya. See ya, buds. <laughs>